0: Well, I want to welcome you all to another Daily Decade, your rosary on the road. We just entered the month of May, which is the month of our Blessed Mother. so we have a little post on the Telegram channel to uh, draw attention to that. I don't have any special intentions in the inbox today, but I do have an intention, a personal intention I'd like to pray for. Uh, there's a gentleman in Ireland I saw uh, who recently has been punished by the godless uh, government government of the Irish state uh, for filming their uh, state police abusing the people uh, so he's uh, he, he didn't do anything to uh, actually engage the police he showed no aggression all he did was to film them entering a church and disturbing the, uh, disturbing the mass there, disrupting the mass, which is, uh, as you know, the mass has been made illegal in Ireland for the first time since the rule of the Puritan Cromwell. And the Garda Gardai, Gardai uh, which is their uh, federal police force, has been enforcing this violently and aggressively, and they were uh, filmed with their in their in the midst of their aggression by one uh, Pat Sweeney is his name Patrick Sweeney, and I'd like to pray for Mr. Sweeney and for his family. They uh, entered his house at three in the morning. Uh, I think over the weekend it was either on Sunday or Saturday, but um, he was uh, and he had his children taken from him, and he was taken down. Uh, to their local, uh, I don't know whether it's a precinct or what exactly they have, but he was taken to their their barracks and abused for several hours, and now he has no doubt a very long and difficult fight uh, to regain his children if they're not put in the care of care, and I, I put care in quotation marks because Lord knows the government will not want these children to be cared for in any real way. Uh, But I want to pray for him and for his children, for the protection of God over them, and for his speedy recovery of his children. Uh, And uh, if there's anyone who has not made it into the news, who has had something similar happen to them, I want to pray for them as well. So that will be our intention for today. But if you have an intention, and I know this is a heavy one, but it it doesn't have to be. It could be a light intention as well. Uh, No matter what it is, I encourage you to write in, and send it to me at dailydecade requests at protonmail.com that's decade d-e-c-a-d-e requests in the plural at protonmail.com and give us all an opportunity to approach the lord god on your behalf uh, for now uh it's a monday and it's in the month of may so we're going to go ahead and, and turn to god on behalf of uh of patrick Sweeney uh, and his children and we're also going to, I know I've said his full name, but that's because it's in the news report. I wouldn't otherwise, I'm not trying to dox the gentleman or anything like that. It just happens to, it was in a public news report. I won't ever say a full name on here if you're concerned about anonymity. Just to add the disclaimer and lay anybody's mind at ease. Now, let's go ahead and turn our attention to God on behalf of, uh, of Patrick and his children. And, uh, and his whole family, who are going through quite a time right now. It's a Monday, so we're going to pray in Latin. In nomine Pace, Sefidii, et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Pater Noster, quies in Ceres, sanctificer Nomen Tu, advenius Regnum Tu, via voluntas Tua, sicud in et in Terra, panum nostrum quotidianum da nobis sodiae. Et de nobis debita nostra, sicur et nos de medimus debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed libera nos amen. Ave Maria, gratia Plena, Dominus Tecum, Benedicta tu in Murieribus, et Benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostre, amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, dominus tecum, benedicta tu in modi et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora per nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostrae. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, dominus tecum, benedicta tu in modi et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostri. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus Tecum, benedicta in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris Tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostri. Amen. Gratia plena, Dominus Teco. Benedicta tu in moriaribus. Et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei. Ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in hora mortis nostrae. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in moriaribus. Et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei. Ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostre. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia Plena, Dominus Teco. Benedicta tu in et Benedictus Fructus Ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei. Ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostre. Amen. Gloria Patri et Fidio et Spiritui Sancto. Sicut erat principio, et nunc, et semper et saeculis saeculorum. Amen. Salve Regina, Mater misericordia, vita dulcedo et spes nostri, salve. Ad te clamos exulis filia evi, ad te suspiramus gementes et flentes in aclac lacrimarum vale. Ea ergo, Advocata nostra, illus tuus misericordius aculus ad nos converte. Ed jesum, the diatum fructum ventris tui, nobis posto ostende, o clemens, o pia, o dulci Virgo Maria. Ora per nobis, sancta dei genetrix, ut dignis officiamor promissioni bis Christi, Aremus. For forth we beseech thee, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we to whom the incarnation of Christ, thy Son, was made known by the message of an angel, made by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection through the same christ our lord amen O saint michael powerful defender of the faithful and defeater of satan lift thy shield over the servant of god patrick and his children and protect them from the devil and all his armies and all his slaves and with and with the will of God and with the aid of the Almighty, cast down all his enemies that he may be that they may be trampled under his foot and the earth made his footstool and his servants move freely to worship him as he seeth fit and to li- and Lord deliver. Thy servant Patrick from tribulation that thou mayest be glorified upon thy throne in heaven with the Father and the Holy Ghost one God world without end amen and for all of us in all our daily battles and travails Saint Michael the archangel defend us in battle be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil May God rebuke him, we humbly pray, and do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell, Satan, and all evil spirits, who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Sacritissimum Correiaeus, miserere nobis. Sacritissimum Correiaeus, miserere nobis. Sacratissimum Corriesum adveni ad regnum tu. In nomine Patris, infidiae, Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Well, I had several things that occurred to me over the weekend that kind of congealed into a single topic that I think might pique some interest, although it may also just be pure academics. But uh, we'll we'll see how, how everybody responds to it and whether you find it edifying or not. I, uh, I've been attending a low mass uh, more often now than the high mass that I've, I had been attending, uh, more largely out of just relocation and, um, and support of the local priest. And the low mass, of course, has prayers afterward, and those prayers are usually said in English, and I became uh, aware uh, this past Sunday that I say the uh, the way I had been taught to say and the way I had been saying uh, the uh, uh, Salve Regina is different than the people around me. It's a very minor difference. I switched words. So weeping and mourning. They, sw- they, they, they flop between the two of them. And uh, I think there was one other thing. Oh yes, I say Veil of Tears, they say Valley of Tears. I say shoe, they say show, minor things like that. You know that's the difference between your and thou and uh, you and uh, or you and thou and the um, and the Ave Maria. And I, and I also of course, there's in the news this change that's supposed to be being made to the Italian vernacular of the Potternoster. Uh, passed down from the Vatican and that recently uh, the uh, gentleman on the papal throne used that And uh, it's got all sorts of people all up in an uproar. Uh, Apparently it's not that big of a change from what I've heard from some circles. Uh, It's not terribly, it's not different at all from the current Spanish version, from what I've been told. But whatever the case may be, it it is a change, a major change, and it's got people a bit up in arms. And I can kind of understand why. We talked a little bit on Friday this kind of dovetails into what we were talking about on Friday because of the use of the language, the Latin language and how different languages convey different realities people who speak different languages dwell in different, overlapping but nevertheless different realities and I got it in my head to go and figure out well, this is an interesting experiment since we have all these questions about all these questions about language and, uh, and it, was, it was added to I forgot to add, uh, by um, listening to Anthony Stein's uh, talk on Return to Tradition this morning, he read uh, a bit of a letter that was circulated uh, to that Jesuit priest that uh, decided that he wanted to, uh, he wants to ban the Latin Mass altogether, and particularly ban all young people from going to the Latin Mass, and I think for him, young means anyone under 50, but anyway someone wrote a a rather eloquent letter response that's been published at the Remnant uh, to this crackpot and uh, in it she remarked that Latin is a less malleable language than the vernaculars and therefore does not allow a lot of ambiguity which is of course the uh... The beloved golden child of, of modernity is ambiguity. There's nothing like it. Uh, it's, a, it's a drug to these people. Uh, they love to keep things ambiguous because then anything can mean anything and it grants this total libertine freedom. And not the freedom to worship, of course, but the freedom to be and do whatever you want that's how male and female can come to mean completely different things and how you can have uh well all these people that uh, have this terrible terrible mental illness where they imagine themselves to be something that they are not uh, biologically speaking whatever the case may be it was a very good point uh, that she highlighted how latin does not allow for that kind of ambiguity and so i started thinking to myself prompted by these three other things the change of the paternoster, the Italian paternoster, the uh, fact that I seem to say the Salve Regina different than the people around me and this point that was brought up in this letter about that Jesuit priest uh, about Latin and I got it in my head to go look up the word holy in an etymology dictionary that I have. Now the word holy is not a word that was attested in the Saxon tongue prior to the coming of Christianity which means that it must have been adopted at some point in the vernacular by the missionaries and brought to them the Latin had a concept of sanctus and sacerdotes prior to the introduction of Christianity to the Latin language but apparently the way that the gods were described among the Germanics was different. They were generally described in terms of what they could do. The power that they had. Uh, You know, Votan being uh, a magic user and a foreteller. and uh, He has all these titles in Old Norse. Uh, If you read the Havamal, which is a, a portion of a larger poem that's dedicated to the various Norse deities, it was written down by a Christian monk sometime in the I want to say the 10th century but I might be wrong it might be the 11th and in it there's a list of all the names that's just, that are uh, applied to Odin who's the Norwegian or Norse counterpart not Norwegian Norse counterpart to the Germanic Wotan and uh, in it he has all these different titles well those titles were how they really referred to the gods uh, and those so they didn't have a term that described holiness as such so holiness it comes into the language as a means to describe to these people what the latins mean and what the catholics meant when they said sanctus and it struck me if i'm a missionary i want to capture the essence of a word when i pass it on to the local people i'm going to have to really think about well what is the a word can have so many meanings you try to describe when the when the angels sing before the Lord, Sanctus, 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 Dominus Deus Sabaoth, when that is song, when that's sung in heaven, there are there's a plethora of meanings, and well, maybe not a plethora of meanings, but there's a a, a rich depth of meaning conveyed in that. It is, and that's the reason why it's said three times. The thrice holy is meant to convey something about what makes God holy and what God is. And the way in which this word was was used in reference to the Saxon people when Christianity was brought to them was holy. Now holy is directly etymologically related to the word whole or perfect. Now perfect is of course a Latin borrowing, but in the English the word that was used was whole, which meant complete, perfect and so holiness is completeness in the English language that's how that's the the fundamental core of what our uh, our founding Saints our our first missionaries the firstborn Christians among our people English-speaking people they described holiness sanctity as wholeness completeness to be completely a thing God is complete in a, in a total sense he is complete, he is perfected nothing else needs to happen to God nothing else needs to be said by God God is um, what's the word not self-contained but he is he is he is that he is just as he says to Moses in the burning bush that is the, me, is the way in which they chose to convey this concept to English speakers and so to us holiness, sanctity is a seeking of perfection to become the totality of what we are by virtue of our first creation, not by virtue of our fallen nature, but by virtue of our first creation, and to an extent also to become everything that we can be within the confines of our fallen nature. And that got me thinking a great deal about, well, how do we actually apply that? That is, that's a very good way to think about holiness, and how to apply it in our day-to-day life is rather difficult. None of us can ever be holy in the perfect sense of the word. We can never be complete because of our fallen nature. We're marred by original sin. We're hounded by it. Uh, Even after baptism removes the sin itself, the effects remain and our wills are marred permanently, almost like a man who has a reduced lung, a, a runner that has a reduced lung capacity due to some accident. And we have the same problem. We'll never be able to truly run a race. The way that we were originally intended to we'll never really be able to compete in the way that we were originally intended to because of this permanent hobbling that took place when our first parents committed the first sin and so holiness must be instead of a state of being it must be a state of becoming well, what does that mean that's very you no know, it's that's philosophers and philosophy majors fetishize this, this conflict between being and becoming. Everybody loves to talk about it. It's very Heideggerian. And that's, which is another big word to, to mean that it's, it, it could be nonsense, academic nonsense. What it really means is that our entire life it has to be built as Christians around constant striving. Going out and doing. Living. Praying everything that is active in our Christian life that's how we as English speakers strive for sanctity if we need to understand what it means to be holy it means that we never stop reaching running after perfection our own perfection our completeness becoming as we were in the garden as we were intended to be And it suddenly becomes very clear why so many of the English saints in particular are defined by precisely this striving. And it's not just English saints, you have it all over the place. Missionaries and martyrs are two groups of people who frequently become saints and actually overlap quite a bit because they're constantly striving. They are seeking holiness, completeness. They may not have achieved; they may not be holy in the strict sense, but they are holy in this active sense. That's why they're called holy men and women. And they become saints in the Church triumphant and attain this perfection upon their death. And among the English-speaking peoples, we have a large number of kings, uh, a large number of missionaries, uh, a large number of uh, a variety of martyrs perhaps not as many as the Italians and the, and the Spaniards who fought against the Muslim hordes uh, or the French even uh, really can boast. England has its fair share of, of martyrs and so does Ireland and everywhere else where the English language is spoken. But uh, by and large when we think of those who are our saints uh, they're defined more by, uh, by what they did during their life rather than by how they died. And therefore they offer us a unique model for sanctity and it, this is, really brings around another point altogether as well which is why it's so important to be familiar with your national Saints with the Saints that belong to the same nation the same tribe the same race as you because they express sanctity the way that your reality allows you to be sacred allows you to be holy no one will understand how you can be holy better than someone who you, who part of you is. We are all our ancestors. This is how God intended us to be. We inherit everything about us is inherited, and we are placed in a very specific lineage by God, by His chosen. Nothing is done by accident. He doesn't. He doesn't throw mud against the wall and see where it's going to land on the big bingo board in the sky. He does everything with precision, everything deliberately, everything according to his will, and has placed each of us in this line in, among the, these people, speaking this language. And so our national saints are saints that we look to as specific models for our own holiness. Now, that's not to say you can't have a devotion to a saint that's not of your own people. I have a very strong devotion to St. Augustine of Hippo, and he's about as far removed from my ancestors as you can get. Well, I guess he's not completely far removed. He was, he was a North African, so he was probably closer to the Italians, modern Italians, than, he, than really to anything else. So he's, he's closer to me than than that. But he's pretty far removed, nevertheless, and he's certainly not my nation. He certainly did not belong to my people. North, uh, Roman North Africans have a completely different way of doing Christianity. But I have a devotion to him, nevertheless. And there are plenty of English-speaking people with a devotion to Joan of Arc, whom their ancestors martyred. And any any Jew who chooses to abandon his errors and his hatred of God and become a Christian, well, every saint that he venerates is going to have uh, some... A relationship to his, a negative relationship to his former religiosity. So, but nevertheless, there are national saints, and these national saints speaking the language that we speak, seeking holiness the way that we can seek holiness, give us a unique example, a unique uh, object for us to seek after. And so they become very important in our spiritual lives. And they also give us a model for how we should expect our nation to be. And who our nation is. And that's not to talk about identity, so much as when we talk about just government. You know, different people have different different people have to be governed in different ways. There are people that are not suited to certain kinds of governance. And Following the saints of our people gives us a broader look at how the world Really? It it gives us confines in which to structure our world and in which to temper our expectations a lot of people can get a lot of ideologies in their heads and get very married to those ideologies and then if you look at Their people the people are completely unsuited to that kind of ideological form And that goes across the board. I'm not going to name any names, but it's across the board. And so when we look at our national saints, we have models both for holy behavior, that is behavior that is not of this world, as well as behavior that directly affects this world, directly affects the political order in which we live. Now, I think the English are very blessed to have a model, such wonderful models of sanctity as St. Thomas Beckett and St. Thomas More both men who are defined by standing up against a purportedly parliamentary system I mean the kings, both kings had a parliament and uh, and nevertheless they, they stood up against it and against that unjust government on behalf of the faith which teaches the English people both to grow a backbone and to grow a backbone specifically about questions of religion Specifically about that, because it's the only thing worth standing up for, the English love to rebel, and they're, so do their children across the world. They absolutely love rebellion, and they rebel over the stupidest things rather than focusing on what's really important no they'll'll they'll, they'll throw a they'll throw a rebellion over golden candlesticks and taxes. Nonsense, but it teaches them a lesson. If they look at their history. And the same is true of all of us. And so, it seems fitting to pray today, all of us together, that God will guide us in the study of our ancestral saints, our national saints, and reveal to us in our own language and our own people how we are suited to strive for holiness, how we are made specifically by him to serve him in a specific way and how we might multiply the talents that he has laid in our hands as after his departure into heaven and as we await his second coming and that once we understand these things we might bring him a worthy return on his investment in us so to speak that we might serve him most worthily and that we might be promoted from servants who we deserve to be to sons who he desires us to be in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy ghost amen